0: Welcome back to the Vichara podcast. My name is Hansa Devi and I am your host. This is a platform where we engage in conversations about the sacred, the raw and the real. And today's episode is nothing short of that. Ever since I started the podcast, I wanted to have Anna Lovind who we are about to speak to on the show and our common denominator is Anna's sister, one of her sisters, and this is Ieva, who's been a dear friend of mine for a long, long time. We started out as co-workers and then became lifelong friends, and through Eva I got to know Anna, who has continued to be a very guiding light for me and an inspiration in creative pursuits. One of Anna's fortes is the creative process because she has worked with a lot of creative beings and entrepreneurs and creatives um, in various different modalities. Plus she is extremely creative writer herself. So she has had lots of glimpses into the process and this is what we talk mostly about today. What it means to be a creative person in today's Um, culture, really, what it means to be a female creative, what it means to walk this path and stumbling blocks and obstacles that can can arise in certain methods and shifts of perspective that can help you move through those type of obstacles. Um, If you stick through it till the end, we also talk a lot about how to engage with Anna and her upcoming offerings and ongoing offerings and I really want you to take the opportunity to work with Anna because um, it truly can be life-changing in, in the way that you see yourself and your work and how we step up when or step into this, um, the work that we're here to do. And I hope that this conversation is as inspiring to you as it was for me. It's always a joy to speak to Anna. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. We are here with Anna Lovind, is how I would like to say it in Swedish, but Anna, how do you even say it in English, Anna Lovind? Is Something that how like
1: you? that, yeah. <laughs> I hear all kinds of versions, but... <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you for showing up, spending the time with us. I'm really excited to share more of your heart work, artwork, hard work calling with our audience and to dive a little bit deeper into the creative process which you have observed uh, and through so many people that you've been working with and with yourself as well so I'm really mm-hmm. excited to dive in and yeah I would just like to read your bio here really quickly uh, because it's such a beautiful uh, expression of who you are and what you offer yeah, and sure. and on your website you say um, that Anna is a mother, writer, artist, and activist who believes in women's creative freedom and the power of our voices and stories. Anna left a career as an editor at a major publishing house, moved to the countryside, and set out to build a business that supports her own and other women's pursuit of a meaningful and sustainable creative life. Since then, she has coached best-selling authors, helped launch solo entrepreneurs into orbit, and guided creatives from all over the world to go from dreaming to doing through her courses and workshops. In 2016, she co-founded Write Yourself, a writing teacher training with a mission to spread knowledge about how to use writing as a tool for healing. She has published the book, The Creative Doer, as a rallying cry for women to start creating because creative women will change the world. Anna lives in the deep forest of Dalarna in northern Sweden, and I believe that you, just like I, find a lot of sustenance in the forests, uh, in the asylum, Mm -hmm. like it's where we fill our cups. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You're also beautifully saying, as one of your missions with this work, is that your quest is to redefine the creative path. And I am, I'm spelling all these things out because I want us to dig deeper into a lot of these points. But just so the listeners get an overview, why I'm so drawn to you personally and also with your work. You have this mission of turning this stumbling walk into the pilgrimage that it truly is this creative process. And it's so, that to me resonates so incredibly deeply um, from a spiritual point of view, from a w- way of being in the world. And you teach how to live, speak and create from the heart. That seems mm. to be an underlying theme and how to share ourselves in ways that turns our whole life into revolutionary works of art. And who cannot be attracted <laughs> to and want to work with you? So <laughs> <laughs> please tell me how you got to this, um, this work and to this role and um, what guided you here? What, what's your journey been to get to this point?
1: Mm. Mm. I mean in a way it's it's been a 45 year long journey (laughs) everything tends to lead to to where we end up in a way but like work-wise I suppose uh, it started somewhere around when I was um, working at a publishing house uh, living in the city and doing the career thing briefly but but still and uh, didn't find that it worked for me really I was successful in in uh, conventional uh, by conventional stand- standards but but it didn't really work for me in the way I am um, but in that work I got to work with writers uh, of all genres and I noticed all these themes um, in the process of getting from an idea into an actual published book, that whole long process. And I began to see these patterns that were the same, basically, for all. Anyone who engaged in that process, we go through phases in the creative process, and they look very similar. We we face challenges and obstacles that are very similar. Um, And eventually, as I started to broaden my own work, as I left the publishing house and started to work with creatives in general, not just writers, I sort of got that confirmed that this is true regardless of discipline as well. Writing, painting, photography, or even entrepreneurship really can be seen as a creative process as well, and and, and it follows the same through the same phases, mm-hmm. uh, and that's that's what caught my interest really. I've I'm not like I love books and I love writing. I'm writing myself, so so that whole publishing thing sort of it felt like it should have been my thing (laughs) and in so many ways it was fun and fulfilling but i'm less interested in the producing of a product than i am in uh exploring the process of getting there Mm -hmm. that that's what sort of lights me up how to go from that stage where you only hold something as a vision as an idea as something that sort of keeps knocking uh, wanting to come through. And how do you move from there to actually having created something? How do we move something from that vision stage into form? Which is, I mean, in a way, I think that's the whole point of being human.
0: <laughs>
1: we play in form, so to speak. And uh, that that's what I'm really interested in. So I move towards working with that Um, coaching creatives and um, started to create courses and so on. And eventually came to see that what I'm really interested in is supporting women in this process because collectively women's voices and stories uh, and art, all of it is overlooked minimized, made less important, and has been for thousands of years for different reasons, but the main one being that we live in a patriarchal society. Uh, And I felt like we, we can't really look at this creative process and not take that into account. How does this affect us as creatives when we don't see ourselves reflected in the world outside when we go to an art museum and four percent of the paintings on exhibit are created by women what does that tell us about the importance of our perspective and, and our stories and our ideas and so on of course it affects us the same thing with literature or any arena really it's the same everywhere uh that goes for politics religion you know the whole thing. We live in a patriarchal world and it shows. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I became really interested in, in what ways does this affect the creative process? In what ways does this hold us back as women? In what ways does this sort of teach us to keep it safe, to play small? Mm -hmm. And what ways are we punished for taking up too much space? for taking up space in a way that is not expected and encouraged in a woman Mm -hmm. and on and on. There are so many questions. I'm still sort of in, (laughs) I will probably explore this for the rest of my life, but this is, this is truly where my heart is. I, all those unheard stories and voices, those are the ones that I want to support to come into being because I think there is so much medicine there. There's so much healing to be had from, um, rebalancing the world in that way again where there has been such a heavy focus on men the stories of men and so on but also on the qualities that we well that are masculine coded right now in our world. I, I'm not sure I actually believe they are masculine in themselves, but they're coded as such. Mm. We we think of them as masculine, whereas the qualities and contributions and so on that we have coded feminine are overlooked and there there needs to be uh balancing there Mm -hmm. and i find that's that's where my work is in that um trying to balance that out
0: yeah well beautiful and and thank you for doing this i mean first of all you must have seen so many women go from budding to blossoming in this healing work because that's what i see it is it's Mm -hmm you know, you're, you're holding that sacred space, which is tricky because it's women might not be used to going there within themselves. So it's, it's almost therapy. Like you're saying, it's, it's medicine in a lot of ways. And, um, I was, as you were speaking, I was, you know, trying to crystallize your why, but it's so big. It's such a enormous task. If you look at it from this point of view, because it's, that's the, you know, the river of why you're, why you're stepping into this flow of work. And mm. it's enormous. And how do you, how do you personally make sense to it in a day-to-day? You have your courses, you have one-on-one calls and uh, describe a little bit what you do and what you offer so people can put themselves in your world or see themselves in your world mm. as we're going through this conversation.
1: Yeah. Well, the way I've chosen to uh, channel this work is is through a course and also a book with the same name called The Creative Doer, which basically it's it's a creative education, I suppose, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's focused on these themes that we've been talking about now. It's focused on uh, how to move through the creative process as a woman and how to, learn to deal with fear differently how to fuel our work in a way that we have never been taught how to uh how to share ourselves in a way that feels aligned and grounded and meaningful to us and you know learning how to co-create with our work is a huge thing Mm -hmm. it's a pillar of my teachings again that's not something that most of us are even familiar with when when women come into my world that's a new thing Uh, so that's that's where with this course comes a community you can now also choose to do it like self-study style if that's your thing but we do have a community that goes with this course where you you have all sorts of support and company on your journey because i do think that community and support is necessary Mm-hmm. I think it's very different, difficult, if not impossible, to do this alone, given that there are so many outside forces that are actually working against us as, as we embark on this healing and creative journey. And we do need support by like-minded people, and, and so I want to offer that. And that is has been, for a few years, the only way to work with me, really. So I've sort of given everything to that. Uh, container and creating it into what it is now and um, just now I've also opened up uh, um, I suppose um, an easier way to work with me that is called Ignite it's a membership of sorts but it's super super simple very pared down uh, into something that I even In the very full and busy and for many people chaotic lives that we lead now in this broken world. This can be accessible, because not everyone can take on like this whole big online course not everyone has the means to do so not everyone has the energy or resources in terms of time and so on to do so but this is a simpler commitment. But that serves the same purpose really to fuel that creative fire inside to, to find that support, to stay connected. Uh, Cause we do tend to get lost <laughs> even with the best of intentions, we, we get lost on the way. So there's, this is a way to help you come back.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you for putting that out there and being that mirror, because it sounds like you are just like any type of, guide when we are doing this because it's an inner journey that we have to embark on in order to share something externally we have to go from that idea and vision to the manifest form of it to share it Um, you are a spiritual guide of sorts and Mm. to hold that mirror so people see themselves because you're speaking of this co-creative process and it's to me i'm I'm also hearing or i'm seeing in myself how we hide from ourselves Mm. and how you serve a purpose of of holding that mirror so people can start seeing themselves so fully for who they are or as they are. Um, and before we move further into this conversation, because there's so many things I want to dive into, what is creativity to you? What can you describe when you're we're talking about this creative process? We know that we're going to dive into a little bit more about the obstacles and so forth. But if you would put it in your own words, what is this process? Mm. <laughs>
1: Yes, it comes with all sorts of associations for different people. I think many people associate it with artistic pursuits, Mm -hmm. which it can be, but that's just one expression of it. I I think simply of the creative process as the process of bringing something, whatever it is, from vision into form, Mm -hmm. from that idea stage into something that is tangible in this world that is manifest Mm. Mm. that process is the process of creation Mm -hmm. and that can look like uh growing a baby inside your body that is i mean that is (laughs) the original (laughs) creative process truly or it it can mean uh, birthing a book or a business or anything really
0: And so when we are talking about creativity, um, something that I guess it borderlines, you know, contemplation and spiritual practices, but what what I'm toying with in my own mind is this um, self-expression, you know, birthing this um, idea into form versus expression of self. Is there a difference in your mind uh, between these two, or is there a is it two sides of the same coin is there um do we focus on one more than the other um i'm Mm. personally really curious as to where ego comes into all of this um Mm. Mm. i just want to hear your thoughts because i also know you're a deeply spiritual being and i'm sure that's um you know undercurrent in in your perspective
1: yeah uh well (laughs) the simple answer is that i don't worry too much about those things OK, uh, because what tends to happen when you approach the creative process the way I do and the way I teach it is that that is sort of uh, the foundation of it, that it comes from a place of deep connection.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that is the first step alignment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: connect with yourself and connect with um, the work that wants to be birthed through you uh and then the ongoing the long-term creative process is really more or less a constant coming back to that connection because there's so much in this world that draws us away from it and for our practice our creative practice is to come back over and over again to that deep connection where we can hear guidance where we access flow where we experience ease and, and joy and meaning in our work. And if you do that, if you focus on that, you don't really have to worry so much about whether, like, which part of me is expressing this or, or like, what is my purpose with this? Because once that deep connection is there, the work is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is being expressed is authentic and true. And uh, it's also... I understand the concept of ego, I know what what one refers to when when you use that word, but I don't find it practically very helpful in this context, because I've noticed over the years, I've done this work for so long now, and I've noticed over the years that when someone refers to ego in their work, or something gets in the way, you know, I'm just in my ego, or my ego steps in, or whatever, and what they're really referring to is a frightened part of themselves, Mm -hmm. usually a younger part, usually a child. And when we refer to it as ego, it becomes something that we want to dismiss or something that we want to transcend or move beyond. Whereas my experience is that, no, actually that frightened child needs to be included and held and uh, integrated Mm -hmm. into this work because we need to step into this work and stay in this work as whole human beings and spiritual beings, you know, body and soul. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cannot sort of uh, compartmentalize the parts of ourselves we don't like or the parts of ourselves that are challenging us or keeping us, you know, keeping us back. They're not actually often not keeping us back, but slowing us down Mm -hmm. enough so that we are able to actually look at them and respond to them to respond to the fear, to understand what this is about. We are in such a hurry. Often we want to get to the goal line, you know, and that's again, where my focus is on the process. Mm -hmm. What are you rushing for? Like, what are you trying to get away from here? Usually the discomfort, usually the fear that is uh, always, always a part of the creative process. And we're not going to do that we're not going to run away from it we're not going to bypass it by calling it this or that this is you this we're going to bring the whole shebang along you know <laughs> all of it and when you do that when you express from there that is that is what you're supposed to express and it will change and it will mature and it will deepen over time mm-hmm but it can be full and true from the very beginning, once that connection is there.
0: Yeah. Thank you for putting that into your own words. I that I beautifully put, and I also wanted the listeners to hear it from you. I'm playing the devil's advocate here and asking all of the (laughs) tricky questions because I want to hear it come from you. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, it feels like this fear that we're talking about is actually an essential ingredient in a sense. Like it's, it's almost like that's when we know we're doing something of importance and that has the capacity to heal us, even though it might be one of those things that kindles the fire of this um, uh, inferiority or um, what do we call it in English now? Um, Still early here. I know it's Mm -hmm. evening. (laughs) I just woke up, (laughs) Um, but it's uh, being self-conscious, I guess. Um, And And will you talk to that uh, about that a little bit and what people can do to kind of rein in the fear and utilize the fear and let it ignite something greater?
1: Mm. Mm. Well, what what happens is that most people come to me and want help with overcoming the fear um, Mm. in such a way that they will be able to leave it behind and then get on with their work without the discomfort. Uh, And I'm very sorry to disappoint them in that regard, telling them that that is not possible. It's not going to happen. It's not even the point. Uh, Fear is going to be along for as long as we do this work. Um, Not the same fears necessarily. The things that freak us out in the early days aren't necessarily the same. Like those things we can handle. They might not even bother us 10 years down the line. But at that point we've grown, we've expanded, we've touched on new edges that bring up new fears, new layers, deeper layers, perhaps. What we can do is that we can learn to first of all, understand what it is and why it happens so that we don't take it as a sign that we're doing it wrong or that we're failing somehow. There's such a strong ideal of fearlessness that we are supposed to be fearless And that is like bold and just do it and take the leap and so on. And and for most of us, that's not how it feels. So when we feel this intense fear, it's easy to interpret that as we must be doing something wrong here, or I'm not cut out for this, or, you know. But first of all, get rid of that idea. Uh, The fearless artist is is just a myth, really. Um, And then to understand how to hold these feelings how to be with discomfort.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That capacity might be <laughs> might be the most important thing to learn and to develop as a creative person, the capacity to hold discomfort, yeah. not run away from it, not resisting it, not anything, just holding it, letting it be there and figuring out what you need so that you can keep moving forward, even when it's there, even with the fear present, you know. And that is the key, really. Uh, Not to overcome it, but to understand what do I need in this moment to feel safe enough to move forward. Not what, what do I need in this moment so that I can overcome the fear so I don't feel it anymore. No, even with the fear here, what do I need to feel safe enough to move forward, not feel completely safe, mm-hmm. just safe enough to keep moving. Mm-hmm. One step more, mm-hmm. and then we can ask that question again, and then one step more, and we keep doing that for the rest of our lives. You know, <laughs> it's, we're not going to get away from it, but it will be, it will get easier, you know, and, and that communication will become more or less second nature over time that tending to oneself and one's needs will become something that is a given part of the work, not something that gets in the way or that we like have to deal with to get onto the more important stuff, but it will become a natural part of the work. Okay. Here's fear again. Yeah. Okay. Let's tend to it. What do I need to feel safe enough to continue with the work right now? And then meet those needs in whatever way is possible for us. And meeting those needs is usually not like that one big solution. It's usually the small stuff. Okay, there's a frightened part in me. Okay, what does she need? Maybe she needs to know that there's an adult presence here that can actually handle this. She doesn't have to. She can play inside. Okay, that feels better, you know? Or sometimes it's, it's something oh my God, actually a cup of hot chocolate would make me feel comforted right now. There's nothing wrong with that. Whatever works, you know, these needs are usually very basic, Mm -hmm. very small, and the remedies are equally small. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we often miss them because we're looking for that one big solution, the one that will uh, like remove the fear once and for all. Mm -hmm. And so we miss this small, gradual way of tending to ourselves that allows us to keep moving and keep growing both ourselves and our work and also our capacity to hold that fear and to hold that discomfort. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you notice that you you can actually do things that you couldn't before, Mm -hmm. but it happens gradually, almost always. Rarely do I see those big leaps that we're so fond of (laughs) idolizing, you know?
0: well it seems like it's it's such a i don't want to call it personal because it's not just personal it's it's this like you're saying it's holding the full spectrum of emotion or feelings it's it's feeling the whole human experience and and allowing with equanimity for it all to be there but then also open ourselves to this you know inspiration or whatever you want to call that force the the creative force that wants to move through us and as women to allow ourselves to stop and ask, what do I need in the moment to stay open and stay receptive and in service of this force that wants to move through. And it's, it's like you're talking about, this is a, um, something that we've been holding ourselves back from for generations. And yeah. so it's, it just seems like we're, we're healing for ourselves, but it's also healing those generational uh, wounds, really. Yeah. And, and taking up that space. Why is it so hard for women to take up space <laughs> and, and, and share?
1: Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, this is also something that it is so important about fear, um, especially for women, when we sort of belittle it and, and think of it as something that has to do with the lack of courage or whatever, uh, we ignore the fact that these fears are often actually real they're grounded in real experience to be seen for a woman can be actually dangerous Mm -hmm. in this world so many of us have experience of um, being visible and being sexualized in I mean all of us I think Mm -hmm. in a female body that happens to us at some point or another Uh, and for some that It doesn't stop there, but it becomes an experience of assault or violence. Way too many of us have that experience. But even just the being sexualized, being reduced to an object, being uh, approached as prey almost uh, in the world. Any woman knows what that feels like, walking home alone at night. Uh, The risk you are actually being exposed to just from having a female body Mm. being outspoken politically or at your workplace or on social media that comes with backlash Mm. and women experience this to like a much larger extent than men there are numbers to to back that up Mm. and it is like, to a bigger extent focused on the fact that we are women like there are gender slurs and there is there, the back like the feedback we're getting is sexualized in uh, all sorts of different ways that have nothing to do with what we're doing necessarily but it is a way has been a way for so long to scare women to silence to silence our voices to keep us small
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when you Like when you start unlearning that and when you start to actually claim back that space and start using your voice, even when there's backlash, even when it doesn't feel completely safe, even when it isn't completely safe, you are going to face a lot of that fear. And as you say, it's not just our fear. It's like millennia of fear Mm
0: -hmm.
1: all the way back to which processes and, and way beyond that where it was actually like it could kill you mm-hmm. to speak your mind.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I like I want to acknowledge that, that there is a real foundation for this fear. It comes from somewhere. It's not just irrational. It's not just because we don't have enough willpower or whatever, it, it comes from somewhere. That's why it's so important to meet it. Um, and when you do to, to, like, one thing that we need to dismantle in order to do this is this extreme individualism that we, that our culture is so saturated with. Mm-hmm. Ah, where we celebrate the one going it alone, you know, the self-made man and all that, which is, again just a myth. There is no such thing as a self-made anyone (laughs) because it's all like, look a bit closer and you'll find all the support and all the people enabling that person. But we love to celebrate it as such, as the lone genius, you know. And that is not the path forward, especially not for any person who holds a, a marginalized identity of any kind, like all women for sure, but even more so if you hold Like if you're a person of color or if you hold an identity as, you know, a Muslim perhaps or an indigenous person or whatever. Like it's, there is so much, there is so much that we face when we start using our voices, when we start sharing ourselves and our work. It is not possible for us, I think, to do it alone. Mm -hmm. So to just let that idea go and then to start calling in the support that we need. And this can be also, this can be so tricky for a lot of women who has experience of not feeling safe in their relationships, both to men and to women, actually, because, you know, growing up in a patriarchalized society as a woman, we internalize a lot of that, a lot of that crap. A lot of the misogyny. We hold that too. And it plays out in relationships between women as well. So, so a lot of us have the experience of not feeling safe in you know in community. We're not we don't have the experience of being supported and held like that. So so just just that, just learning how to seek support, how to find those like-minded people who will actually support you, who will help you grow, who will help you feel safe. Mm-hmm. Because I do think we need community for safety. Uh, that is, that is such a big deal for so many of us. Uh, but that is also where so much of the healing happens, you know, as we get to experience that, mm-hmm. but it is to be supported by other women. and And, eventually also in the bigger world by men. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's why I find it so incredibly important and such a gift what you're offering because you are creating that safe container no matter if you're working one-on-one or in these group sessions or you have your book spread and people read it you know, on their own and just kind of start exploring these topics within themselves. You're There's still the energetic container through your work and what you put out there. And it feels like like you're we were reading in your bio early on that this is really if women can start sharing their voice or start creating, no matter if there's an end goal or not, just exploring the process of channeling this creative force, whatever that may be. It just seems like that is what will create a shift in the reality that we live in. And that's why it's just so incredibly important that we almost take responsibility for this in a sense. Like we, we need to do it not just for us, but for future generations because we're yeah. creating a different narrative by Thank doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: of this as culture-making. Yes. We're building something else here. Even if it's in tiny steps, doing this in this way is definitely contributing to building a culture of care and creativity and, and so on. As opposed sure. to the culture that we're living in now
0: absolutely and to bring it back down to the individual process um say the creative doer it's a brilliant name by the way i love it <laughs> uh, you have different chapters in that book and i'm just going to go over them really quick and then i want to see if there's some that you want to hone in on that you find that there is a lot of people that get stuck in a certain area and there are certain remedies that you want to highlight for our audience um we initially you start out by talking about uh figuring out what you want basically getting clear on on your wants and um then creating prioritizing around that and so you go from want to priorities and planning being a big part of of this process using your fear the self-care aspect and sharing your work and then creativity and money as a component um, of this process, and how to, you know, birth it into the world. And mm-hmm. so, um, when you've been working with all of these different creatives in different fields, um, are there certain common obstacles to this expression, and what would be your remedy
1: for for some of those? Mm. Yes, there are definitely common obstacles, and. Um, most of the women I work with come to me sort of midlife. You know, when life is busiest in their 30s and 40s. And, and I have women who's, who are like 75 and so on as well. But a lot of them come in the midst of life. And therefore, one of the biggest things are I don't have time. Like there is no space. I can barely breathe. Like where, where would I find space to do this work? um so that part of the process which is step two in a way once you've zoomed in on what it is that you actually want to do then how can we create the circumstances that we need in order to actually do the work and no wishful thinking like how much time and energy and support do i actually have available for this work is it like one hour a week or is it two days a week because that will influence what you can go for right now what is a doable goal for you what is reasonable what is sustainable so that process of of really looking at your life I call it a life inventory in the course where we take a really close look at what are we spending our time on and our energy on and is there something that can be reprioritized, is there something that we can stop doing? Is there something that we can invite someone else to do and so on? This is a huge deal for women who are, whether they want to or not, they find themselves in the role of the caretaker and caregiver. And this goes, of course, for mothers, but not just mothers, actually. This is a role that is expected of women we're supposed to be caregivers, uh, and we're often supposed to do so without being compensated for it, uh, which is a tricky position to be in. Like when womanhood and this caregiving is sort of inf- uh, so tightly tied together, um, trying to do it differently, like it feels like you will be questioned. like are you even a woman if you're not likable are you even a woman if you don't put other people's needs above your own and so on like that is a big deal for a lot of women not everyone some find it easier to break with those expectations and conventions but for many it's it's super challenging especially if you already find yourself in a family constellation where that is the role that you have sort of accepted and been given so finding the time and the space, and that like that's headspace too. Um, is there energy enough available to actually do this work? And I find that there is always some energy available, and if you get real about that and see okay I have just 15 minutes here and there that's that's it that's what I can find here and if you actually if you do that focus on those 15 minutes and don't expect miracles from yourself uh, but just commit yourself to that these tiny little windows of time then you can do creative work you can make things happen you, you'll be surprised by how much you can make happen actually and you'll also experience how that ultimately feeds you. Um, but you need to come to that point where you have your own permission to do so and where you sort of devote that time to the creative work rather than any of all the other shoulds that, that our lives are so full with. So time is a big deal. Fear is another big deal and we've already talked about that. So, And the third thing I'd say is... is the biggest challenge is the self-care aspect how you fuel yourself and your work in such a way that it is sustainable in such a way that you create from a state of flow even overflow rather than constantly depleting yourself and running dry huge deal we tend to think of our needs as something that we sort of as, as long as we don't they're not acute, we don't have to tend to them. It's like when we're almost on the brink of burnout or we're becoming ill or something, that's when we sort of remember, oh, actually I do have needs. This body actually needs some tending and so on. But we, it's, is you now. I've used that image of us treating ourselves as machines. But actually, that's not even true. Like even machines need service and they need spare parts change and they, and they need oil and they need gas and so on. We don't even give ourselves that. It's like we're, I don't know, it's like a, a magical thinking of some kind where we think that we are able to create and give and give and give without ever filling up again. It's absurd, actually. But that's that's how many of us live.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so that, that part is... I I, maybe that's the part that changes next to being able to hold space for discomfort, learning how to fuel yourself properly. Mm -hmm. That is the thing that will create the most noticeable difference in your creative process in terms of how, how it flows, Mm -hmm. the depth of the work that you will be able to engage in, um, how it feels like the level of ease and joy that, that will be available to you and so on all of that depends on whether we are resourced and fueled and, and full when we come into the work
0: truly and it sounds like that it, it's it's easy to understand in theory the self care mm-hmm. aspect and even the word self care is loaded for a lot of people because they don't yeah. want to put themselves first or I should say women and so the permission piece seems you know it's a switch in your mindset but it's also when you're holding this container for other women you're giving them permission. But when you go from that theory to actuality, like how do you guide people that are not familiar with giving themselves attention? Like, what would maybe link it to your own life? What do you do to fuel you? Or how do you treat your clients and and this support them and hold them in in practical um, Mm. terms?
1: Yeah, again, it's a gradual change. It has to be a gradual change because when we come from that place where we're not even (laughs) granting ourselves the same care as a machine, we're not going to be able to step into full overflow at once. It's going to have to be a gradual thing. Um, And we're going to face lots of resistance, both outside and inside in the process. Because society benefits from us staying in the role as caregivers unpaid caregivers so there there might be some backlash to you not taking on every extra work that is available or you not attending every social event that is you know that you're invited to and and not cooking all the meals you know whatever it is someone is going to notice and and they might not yeah. like it <laughs> So to be able to stand by yourself and hold to those boundaries are a huge part of it. And that is something that we need to develop over time. And also, like you say, these internal boundaries or these internal uh, challenges rather uh, to even give ourselves the permission to give to ourselves and to give to ourselves before we are actually depleted What a thought. Like it's for a lot of people, it's just no, (laughs) that's not how we do it here. (laughs) We run ourselves dry and then maybe we can have a sip. But I'm trying to reverse that situation. And I talk about it specifically as fueling your work, because that sort of helps us shift, helps us remember the absurdity of trying to do the work without fuel how like how off we are in in the way we look at it and so I speak about that and in the community like we do what we call a weekly check-in where we share our priorities for the week and so on and and there are two questions in that check-in what what are your priorities and also how are you going to fuel this work so that we keep that in mind all the time oh yeah that's right I'm just, I can't just sort of power through here. I need to fill up as well in order to be able to do this work. So that is one way to sort of build it into a habit. And then over time to, to see if we can sort of expand that permission mm-hmm. and to not just sort of give to ourselves ourselves in order to be able to work some more, but actually give to ourselves because of what that feels like to be alive when you are resourced and full, and when you are generous towards yourself in that way. Because like the, the quality of life, there's such a difference there. Oh my goodness. It's, it's, yeah, wow. Yeah, and this, was- this can, but. Huh? it's a big topic it's a huge topic yeah and and i try to keep it very practical and i also want to focus on like tying it to our actual needs because self-care has been commodified in in the last few years it's become something that people sell to us (laughs) Like spa visits and sheet masks and and whatnot. That apparently is self care. And I mean, it can be. Sure, that's nice. But it's often surface level. Doesn't necessarily tie back to our actual needs, which might be to live a slower life, you know, to be able to breathe in our days. Mm -hmm. Might be. That we actually need a lot more rest and sleep than we're getting it might be that we are so alone in our life that we we don't know how to function those things that like when we tend to those things that's when we create an actual difference a lot of that taking a hot bath you know all of those usual tips there are things that get you through the day get you through the week but they won't change things underneath. They won't change the reasons why we are so depleted and tired and so on. And of course, it's more difficult to to address those deeper needs. Um, but I find that it's helpful if we look at it in a very practical way, mm. like what does my body need right now? What happens? And and to explore it. Yes, it's challenging, and it's we're not used to it, but what happens if we just try it and see what happens? What what if we explore this? If instead of pushing through and staying at the computer an extra 15 minutes, what if we take a walk and see what happens and then we can compare Mm -hmm. and then we can sort of start learning, relearning, getting the experience, lived experience of actually coming to our work from a place of fullness What happens then? What am I able to create? How does it feel? Compared to when you come with the striving and the pushing and the the discipline that is really just a whip, Mm -hmm. that we're whipping ourselves with all of those, oh, oh my goodness, the obsession on productivity that comes from our capitalist society and so on. When we bring that into the creative work, what happens then? How does that feel? Where that where does that leave me at the end of the week or in the end of the day? But like we need to really relearn these things. We need to get into the actual lived experience of it because we understand this in theory, right? But um, until we actually feel it and experience it, I don't think we get it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, that's a big part of it. Good. Getting to the yeah.
0: Well, I love how you're meeting people kind of halfway though, by talking about fueling your work, because as women, we want to put others or um, put ourselves in service, right? That's kind of our default mode a lot of the time. And so putting ourselves in service of the work might be the first step to that experiential um, feeling in your bones and body and eventually like feeling more aligned and connected. And that will just kind of overflow into this being that vessel. And yeah. Um, uh, so brilliant. I think it's one of those um, little, like there's a lot of nuggets here, but they're that nugget of like switch in mindset on how we phrase mm-hmm. things for ourselves. And it gives us, you know, more permission to see ourselves, but we are doing it in the service of the work that wants to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, so beautifully put. Um, yeah. Is there, is there any other... You know, stumbling block that you see a lot when you're talking about the stumbling walk and taking, making it into a pilgrimage. And what does that look like for you? And how has it looked like for you in your own journey? Uh, will you share a little bit of your own process?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, it's um, yeah. That's what I. That's what I do. <laughs> I share my own journey. That's that's what well, most of my writing is about. Really, I I talk about the creative process and the creative life um, from my perspective and from my experiences of trying to live what I teach. I am very committed to living what I teach. And that looks like um, allowing myself to be messy and to lose my way and to... Always circle back to new challenges or the same challenge, but from a slightly new angle or perspective. And to be open about that, I've never, never positioned myself as an expert in the way that I have arrived. Mm. And I do so, like, this is an intentional choice because I don't believe in that. I don't believe we arrive. And I, Think that it is perfectly valid to be teaching the things that we are also ourselves learning. Um, Perhaps that is actually the only way to do so, uh, to walk the path and to report back what we are finding uh, in that process. And so for me, like right now, as we are speaking, I'm in a really tricky spot with my business because. I've had health issues, my children have had health issues that have taken so much time away from my work um, that has kept me from being able to build uh, build on it in that long-term sustainable way uh, for these last few years. And that has left me in a very vulnerable position financially right now. Uh, and I'm working on solving it and I have because again I'm walking my talk here I've sort of called in all the support that I um, that I have available I'm inviting people to be part of uh, you know uh, no it's not just helping me that is for sure part of it because I am the one doing the work. But what I have created has for sure grown into something that is bigger than me and beyond me. And there are so many women in the community that I have created that are now co-creating it with me and who are very uh, committed to keeping it alive and keeping this work growing and going. And so there are so many of them who have stepped in now. And help me share and help me, you know, find new solutions for how we might keep this whole <laughs> this whole creation going. This whole <laughs> this whole big beautiful thing that the creative doer has become mm-hmm. to keep that alive. And and like that's it's vulnerable. It remains vulnerable to be honest about these things. Like I'm 10 years into my business journey. It's so easy to give in to that idea about uh, it should look differently, I should be more successful, or I shouldn't run into rough patches like this. But that's, no, that's not the truth of it. The truth of it is that we do. So many of us do. We face these different challenges, and life is not linear in any way. If you run into a challenge in one area of your life, it's going to affect other areas of your life. And that is not because you're not professional enough. Mm -hmm. It's because you're human, because everything is connected. Mm -hmm. And I'm sort of trying to allow myself to be that visibly as well, to be that imperfect human with a business that is sometimes successful and and other times run into trouble and um, to be that powerful creative woman that I am I own that who also needs help at times who also needs to be in the receiving end of all that giving that I was talking about because I am giving a lot in my work Mm. and sometimes I need to ask to be given too Mm and then to be able to receive it also so yeah it's messy (laughs) I just
0: want to say thank you for you know being transparent in this because it's part of the challenge that the women in your courses are facing as well in their own way and so we have you know this um I don't even know how to phrase it but it's almost like the yin and yang of it because you are you you created this container for this creative flow to come through all of these women and move that idea and the visions into manifestations at their own pace in their own ways but creative pursuits and then you try to fit it into this model of surviving in a patriarchal world. Like you're yeah. you're trying to match two things that like you're you're actually treading new grounds here. It's new territory. You're trying to bridge these two t- paradigms in the sense. And so and I'm like, of course, it's going to be wobbly. That's yeah. like my my gut feeling, but it's 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 that trusting piece and the and the intuitive piece in you that I know knows that this is what you're supposed to be doing. But then how to make that work in a society where we have to put dollar signs on mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. It's but but I can also understand the conflict that because I felt it myself in my own creative pursuits when we feel like, the, the financial end of things doesn't show or it doesn't mirror all of the stuff that we put into the creative pursuit. And we think that we're... F- there's something wrong in what we're mm. offering like my vichara thing for example it's a very much donation based thing and i literally have to pay to keep all of the online subscriptions and the mm. websites and the, you know it's an offering for me i'm paying to put it out there it's not like i'm getting anything back more than people knowing that you're serving people on their journey mm. but it's a, financially it's not a like it's not a sustainable business model in any way shape or form mm. you know and so I can understand what you're dabbling with in these two worlds. Cause you created is, I don't want to call it an empire, but you created something that's very holistic and it's from so many angles. And like you're saying, it's been a 10 year process. Plus all of your years have led up to this, like everything mm-hmm. you've done, even in the corporate world has, you know, fed into this particular mission, but then how to keep it straight in our hearts and brains when we are alone at night and we're like, okay, it's not working in the, in the you know, patriarchal society without yeah. starting to degrading ourselves. Like that's a really fine line. Cause as women, we take it personally that this, you know, is hard to pursue in, in the financial sense. So yeah. um, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Cause you have it in your book to creativity and money and yeah. we don't have to take you as a showcase, but it's this, you know, ongoing, dipping into trust like sometimes mm-hmm. we really gotta put trust on the you know on a pedestal because it's our sole work to continue going we just gotta surrender to this and you know and, and yeah speak to that
1: yes oh my god this is a such uh, a juicy topic in that, it, it, when we look at money mm-hmm. all sorts of things come to the surface and for one, what you were just describing here, that's s- such a big part of it, really. it's We're straddling two paradigms here, mm-hmm. trying to create this new culture that I was talking about, the one who sen- that centers care and creativity and nourishment and all that. And then we also need it to function in a capitalist, patriarchal society.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And some... Uh like when I came into this work I came from sort of the new age angle a bit spent a lot of time in that self-help world Mm -hmm. um and a lot of it was focused on the individual Mm -hmm. and our sort of capacity to manifest or the way we are responsible responsible for everything that shows up in our lives and so on and does not in any way take into account or even recognize all the factors that affect us uh, from the outside factors, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I stick with what I believe in this case, that that we are humans here. And the purpose of being a human is to be human in this world and to engage with it fully. Like what's even the point of being here otherwise. Mm. And we are, as humans, affected by our surroundings and by the world around us. So when you come from that mindset of everything is you, everything is up to you, everything comes from you, you are responsible for everything you have manifested this failure or whatever. It's such a toxic mindset. It's such, it leaves you completely alone, owning responsibility for a lot of things that you have not, ha- <laughs> you have nothing. You have no part in creating it. We are born into this particular system here. And like you and I, we have lots of privilege being born into a country that was democratic and we have enough food for the day and so on and some people aren't and that is going to affect our capacity to make money to be successful in in a traditional sense like that is a big part of it uh, I'm not interested in thinking of this universe as some kind of catalogue and we're going to manifest our every dream. That, that's not what we're doing here. I'm talking about co-creation, where we sort of lend our hands and our feet to this divine, basically, <laughs> where we do the work out here in the world, but we're, we don't do it alone. And we don't pretend that, that we're not human. So, to you know, money can be talked about on so many different levels, but I don't think it can be talked about in any way that is helpful unless you recognize that first, unless you recognize how outside circumstances will affect what you are capable of doing, the resources you have available, and so on. And right now, for instance, I find myself a single mother. This is my one source of income, this business. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: it is how I support myself and my family. Uh, it is what I've been doing for more than 10 years, like I said. And so the thought of, like, um, for me, it's absolutely necessary to find a solution in the outside world mm. to. This challenge, I need this business, or I need to create something other. But you know, I need the income, I need this work that I am doing that I think of as my heart's work and my purpose, and so on. And I believe it is Mm -hmm. this thing that I've created, it's definitely something more than me. Mm -hmm. But I also need it to function out here in the world in this system that is not at all built for people like me, (laughs) or you know culture makers uh dreamers and introverts and neurodivergence and so on but here i am needing to make this work because i need that money i have bills to pay that is a very different situation compared to if you have resources available you know whatever it is from if it's a partner that supports you if you have a day job that pays your bills and you do your creative work on the side if you have inheritages from you know wherever if you have money available then you don't actually have to bother so much about that you can do your creative work sort of separate from the whole thing the whole capitalist market thing And that was like, those two things can't really be compared even there is still the center of it. There's still the foundation that I've been talking about our whole conversation here where the connection to yourself and the connection to your work is where it starts. And I still believe that our work is to come back to that over and over again and remain loyal to it and remain as true as we possibly can to that in our expression and in everything we do. Mm -hmm. Um, But to need to make money from it or to choose to make money from it, that adds a whole new layer of challenges, a whole new layer of intensity to your journey um it's almost like oh my god it's almost like that is a creative process in and of itself you know above and beyond the work that you're actually doing um and that is something that we need to address and that we need to be aware of uh, and that we need also our own permission to deal with and to Yes, I'm dreaming of a world that looks very different from the one that we're living in right now. And I'm doing my part of creating it in different ways. But I'm also here learning and understanding how this one works right now so that I'm able to exchange this work for the money that I need to survive in this system. And it is... A mind fuck if, if I'm allowed to swear in this show. Uh, it is. it is I mean Jesus yep. And it's also it, it can also be quite creative and quite exciting and, and finding new ways and using those old tools and doing something better with them and so on. It, it can be absolutely a creative journey also but it I'm not gonna pretend it's easy. It really isn't. <laughs> it really isn't.
0: Well, it just also feels like that's where the you're a lighthouse in that because you you are paving the way in a lot of ways. Like I, I see you as the person walking through the jungle with a machete. Like you have mm-hmm. all these women behind you, and you're kind of creating that pathway. But because all of these women are doing the work, um you know, they to all together we have the potential to change where these two paradigms meet. You just happen to be 10, 20, 50 steps ahead. And your business is a great um, example of, of where there is this friction, right? And yeah. it feels like that friction is really where your medicine lies and you're mm-hmm. healing lies and and I feel like we all will eventually meet that friction because we are to bring our inner worlds expose them enough to you know share with the world where hopefully there is a fair exchange mm-hmm. and it just seems like that's really where we do need to work we do need this the society and the and the means and the ways of the world to meet us halfway in this expression, right? It's not just for our own self to have, you know, at home and hide it all in our closet, because that's, that's not a full flow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it seems like it's, I don't know, it just seems so important to, for all of us to help you break through and because you're nurturing so many other women that will follow your path. And it just, I don't know, I just feel so passionately that this is exactly where skon <laughs> <laughs> Exactly where, like, that's the... Uh, <laughs> What's
1: yeah, an equivalent?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is where, you know, attention needs to be given. And yeah. it's problem solving in a lot of ways. It's very rational thinking. It's stepping out of this creative thinking in a sense. Granted, yeah, creative... Uh, perspectives are important in this way, too, to kind of bridge the gap. But how do we bring this creativity into a world that may or may not be receptive to it? Like, how do we make it work? And I just hope to God that you know that, you know, what you've created and your offering is not tied to the challenges you're facing right now. Mm -hmm. I hope that you don't doubt what you've been putting, because that's so sacred. That's so... i mean it's such holy work that you have put out there and so i hope when you go to sleep at night that you don't feel defeated on a you know essential level Mm -hmm. in your being because it has nothing to do with that you know this is where being meets doing in a sense Mm -hmm. we have to learn how to be and how to express that and then we bring it into the world in, in a doing sense and it's quite different
1: quite different yes true thank you thank you for naming that
0: absolutely and tell us what we can do to one support you get involved i mean i'm just i've I've known you for a long time and i'm so itching to like dive deeper with you (laughs) so uh tell us how we do that and yeah give us the scoop
1: yes well the creative doer is is sort of mine hmm gonna say it's my heart's work but all of it is but it is the center of this business that i've built for sure um it is the most powerful container that i have to offer uh and it is a beautiful space truly where women from really all all over the world are gathering and supporting each other and um where i where i share my teachings both as the course <clears throat> with the lessons and all of that, but also with this ongoing support that we offer that serves as these reminders that we need, you know, the, the long-term aspect of it, because it is long-term work. Um, so that's available, and that's where you'll meet me. Mm, I don't offer one-on-one sessions right now, at least. Uh, so if, if you want to work with me, that's, that's how you do that. And like I said before, the creative doer is also available for self-study at a lower price because it's not always an option to go for the full deal. And and I want to respect that. And so it's it's available like that. Also, some people just prefer to learn by themselves. That's quite all right. Along the course,
0: sorry to interrupt, but just so people get a perspective on the, the what they're investing their time in, if we're talking about that.
1: Yeah. So when you join the creative doer, you get one year's access to the community Mm -hmm. with the support and the monthly calls and the weekly check-ins and all of that that is going on there. Uh, The course content, however, you have access to forever or, you know, lifetime access, as long as it is in existence, you have it. And you can download it and keep it and so on. Because people do tend to want to return to it. You know, we go through that process at one stage in our journey. And some things call to us more than others. And we learn certain things that are you know, relevant for us right then. But three years later, we go through it. And then completely different aspects of it call to our attention. Because we have changed. And our work has changed. So. Uh, so I want that to be available long-term. Um, and then the second thing, this new thing, is is the membership. that is called Ignite, which is a very easy way for people who are overwhelmed or tired or full lives or don't have the financial capacity to join the Creative tour. It's a super easy way to work with me and to take part in these teachings, in um oh it's a, like three live meetings per month
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's an ongoing thing you sign up a month at a time so a smaller commitment but still very powerful work mm. yeah
0: and we're gonna link to all of this in the show notes um but otherwise it's annalovind.com Luvind, Anna and yes. on instagram same thing is it the handle yeah yeah Um, so yes i just sincerely hope that people do dive deeper and investigate your offerings and jump on board because it is a beautiful offering not just one many um is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners the audience um you know inspiring them to take a step or um, is there something that you feel is left unsaid that we should share
1: you know maybe just that this this is the time <laughs> it is always the time we always think this isn't the time <laughs> there yes. there will come a better time later uh, my experience is that that's not true you you will be waiting for a long time if you believe that so To just explore the thought that maybe, what if I started right now? Mm -hmm. What could be possible? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If we give ourselves permission to start from like right where we are, you know, mess and all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stress and all, overwhelm and all, and not enough skills, you know, don't know enough yet don't have my life together all of it if we just could find that permission to start right where we are right as we are and see what happens (laughs) beautiful things happen that's that's a promise (laughs)
0: beautiful unfolding i'm sure you witnessed a lot of this um in your healing work because that's really what i see it as and thank you for putting yourself out there for putting the work out there for being available for this conversation and just keep us in the loop. Um, I do, you know, receive your newsletter. And if there's something in particular, you do want me to continue sharing, like spread the word about, please do let me know. I feel like we're all in this together. And um, I hope that you will trust that you'll get around this next bend and Mm, more holding is happening.
1: Yeah. yes thank you so much really this conversation was a joy
0: thank you so much much love sister thank you So to wrap this up, I also wanted to give you all the heads up about a GoFundMe campaign that has been launched by Anna's students, uh, people that have been working with Anna in the past and found it extremely valuable what she's offering to the world. They are raising funds to help Anna and her family move through these health challenges that we mentioned in the conversation. So if you want to be a patron or supporter of Anna's work to make sure that it keeps going, Uh, feel free to visit that gofundme page and campaign and donate there what you also can do to support the work is to engage in the work and make that mutual exchange where you show up for your work and for yourself and you either dive into any of the courses or you buy the book or read the book reach out to Anna Um, however you feel like you want to engage just know that it's deeply heartfelt for Anna and her family at this moment and I know for a fact that she would be delighted to work with you and support you in this process it's very it it always feels funny to ask for financial help but I know that Anna really wants to support you in your journey as well so however you see that exchange happening for you um, I know that Anna is excited to yeah get in touch with you so until next time Här är jag om. Tatsat!